Join India Sourcing Trip April 2020 to leapfrog your competition and get a head start on importing from India. Learn all about sourcing from India effectively and the latest Amazon marketing strategies from leading e-commerce coaches. You'll also be able to source unique, high-quality products at the Delhi Fair to boost profits and rapidly scale your online business. Plus, you'll experience India's rich culture by visiting the Taj Mahal and participating in a cultural dance show. Whether you're just starting your e-commerce journey or you're an experienced seller looking to diversify your sourcing, you'll find tremendous value in attending India Sourcing Trip. Head over to indiasourcingtrip.com and reserve your seat today. Register before Jan 31st to save $500. See you in India. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Meghla Bhardwaj, and today we're going to be talking to Peter, who's an Amazon seller uh, based in Shanghai, and uh, he is going to be sharing some of the mistakes that he's made um, selling on Amazon and some of the things that he would, he, he would have liked to know uh, when he started selling on Amazon. Hey, Peter, how are you doing? Hi, Meghla. I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. So, Peter, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? How did you start selling on Amazon and what's your background? Sure, can do. Um, firstly, we're at your events now in Hong Kong, so we've got to say how good that's going. And thanks for organizing that. I really appreciate it. Um, I've been selling on Amazon for about two years. And I started in 2017, towards the end of 2017. Last year, the first full year, um, I managed to get to about 700,000 in sales. And this year, I'm projecting to get about a million. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I've been working really hard to get to that level. I have been selling predominantly in the US. And now I have managed to get the Pan-EU program, which is you get the VAT in seven countries in Europe where you need to store your goods. So next year, I'm planning to go very hard into Europe. Okay, awesome. And we've met a couple of times. Like you've attended Global Sources Summit a couple of times now, and um, yeah, we've we've known each other for I think um, a year or more. So, so tell us, you started in two thousand seventeen, and so how was your journey? You know, when you started, and how difficult was it to scale your business? I mean, you're doing pretty well. You know, you're almost going to do a million dollars now. So, um, yeah, tell us some of the, the challenges that you faced. Sure. Um... I can go through, I think I've got five or six things where, where I would say I would like to have known or would have done differently in hindsight. Um, the first one starting out, I think if, if anyone's about to start their business, just launch one product. I, I did four when I first started. So when you're starting out, you have to try and figure out the whole Amazon system, Seller Central. Or there's many, many things you've got to work on. And when you've got four products, you've got maybe not four times the amount of problems you'd have with one, but you have more problems that you have to deal with. And another big factor is the cash flow issue. I didn't really think of that. If I had thought a bit more carefully, I would have realized. But um, anyone who's doing e-commerce or Amazon knows when you send in your first batch, your first shipment, before you get the money of that first shipment, you need to send in your second one or else you're going to run out of stock. So you have to have a decent amount of capital or cash flow to keep you going so what about you know like some people say it's it's good to test products so maybe you send send in products in small batches um you know four or five SKUs, and just send in like 50 units or so and test those products 
Um, and then once you validated a product, then you go big and start, you know, scaling that specific product. Did you try that or like, how did you validate your first product? Um, that, that's one way to do it. You go small, but I think if you go small, you're not going to optimize your listing. You're not going to invest in proper images and copy. So you can't really know if it's going to go well or not. So I, I know some people do that, but I, I wouldn't do that. I would just pick, if I was going to do it again, I would just pick one product and optimize it properly and just go hard on that. If it didn't work, then I'd go into another product. So I would have, I should have done one product, but I actually did four products. So how did I validate these four went well? Um, they, yeah, I, I had to spend a lot on PPC to rank them. Um, I did manage to get them quite high on the page. Um, sales were decent. So basically as long as it, as long as it was ticking along, getting a decent volume and I could see it would be profitable, then, then I'll continue with that product. Okay. That's interesting. So what else, what are some of the other things that you want to share with us? So of those four products, um, three I'm still doing now. I've added other products since then, but one was a, one was a failure and I can, sh I'm happy to share that because I don't do it anymore. It, it was a Donald Trump bobblehead. Okay. So, the reason I did that was because one of my friends was selling some Donald Trump apparel or any products, let's say, and he had started selling them before Donald Trump won the election. And everyone thought, I don't know if you remember, Hillary Clinton was going to win, yeah. right? So he, he didn't take it seriously. But when Donald Trump won, anything related to Donald Trump just exploded on Amazon and everywhere. Like, and so I started after um, after he had won the election and my friend said, Oh, you still get heaps of volume, you know, just, just put it on and see what happens. But it was too late. It was like, it was like a fidget spinner. It was, it was a trend. And had you been there at the beginning of the trend, you would have been okay. But so that, that's a tip. Like a lot of people say, don't go for a fidget spinner. Um, uh, I don't know what's the fad products, you know, don't try and jump on the fad products. Look at something that that's long-term um, if you really have an inside track on the product that's coming out and you know it's going to be successful that's something else but if it's a product everybody knows about it's it's already too late okay. yeah interesting so there was actually one speaker at global Social summit a couple of years ago i think uh and he did six million dollars in these uh glasses do you remember brock johnson yes yeah so i that's not really a fad product as such. I mean, it's, uh, he, he knew that there was an opportunity and he just kind of cashed in on that. Right. Yeah. He got in before it happened. It's a fad product. I would say is everybody knows about he, not everybody knew about this type of product. So he, yeah, he did the right thing. He researched everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But you're right. I mean, fidget spinners or, you know, unicorn <laughs> related products. I think that's, that's sort of a fad that goes away. Okay. What else do you have for us? So um, another thing that, it's not really sexy, but I think it's really important is the packing dimensions of a product because there's so many little things to look at, at in Amazon and Seller Central. And one thing I think a lot of people miss is um, according to the dimensions of the package you sent in is how much you need to pay Amazon. So obviously the bigger it is, the more you need to pay, but there's some limits that once you reach that limit, you go to the next tier and the cost is way more. So let's say if you were increasing by one inch or three, two or three centimeters each time you're paying an extra 50 cents and then 50 cents. But all of a sudden, if you go past that tier, maybe you're paying $5 more. So you've got to be really clear what those limits are and you can find those in, in Solar Central. 
um, yeah, know those limits very clearly and design your product and your packing around that. And uh, one little tip, what you can do is you can see products that are very close to that limit. A lot of sellers don't look at that and they're paying an extra four or five dollars on the FBA fee because they've just gone over the limit. So if you can keep it under, you've got a massive advantage on the, on the costing compared to other, other competitors. Do you have any tips on how to reduce the size of the packaging? I mean, and any tips on that? Yeah, um, you can actually, if you know you're only, in my case, I had this happen, I was only over by uh, one centimeter. So, and I was, I checked with the factory, I said, hey, how much space is there between the actual product and the box? And there was two centimeters. So that's just one way you can do it. And another thing I did um, for a different product was actually just cut off, um, I, it, I just cut off two centimeters off one end and then it, it fit in. So just little things like that can make a huge difference, you know, especially if you're doing high volume on a certain product at the end of the year, it could add up to thousands of dollars. So what about profitability? I mean, um, how, what, is your, what does your profitability look like? Because everyone talks about revenue and how much you're making, but at the end of the day, you want some, you know, you want money in your pocket. So what does your profitability look like? So now it's fairly decent. I have um, different products that have different margins. And now it's ranging from about 5 to 30%. So 5 is not good. But um, one thing I do, which I feel is maybe slightly different from what other people do. I'm not necessarily looking to get um, money in my pocket a month after launch. <clears throat> Some of my products, I was either breaking even or even possibly losing money for a year. So I could get um, ranking reviews. Um, and that's really helped me now. So now I can, I can get more because of, of the work I did with that. And uh, some of my friends looked at my products and said, how many, how many reviews have, have you bought? I told them they're all, they're all natural reviews. Um, it's just that the volume is so high. Now. The natural review rate is only one to 2%, I think, for most products. So um, yeah, profitability is important. But uh, at first, I had a target of where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a highly ranked product. I want to have a lot of reviews. And I knew I could raise a certain price. So now I've reached the, the target of most of those products and I'm comfortable with those margins. Okay. So what else? What are the other tips you have? Yep. So um, this, this was a problem. So related to this cancer, I'm really going on about this. Um, something I found out this year is when they measure you in Amazon, they have, uh, they have a machine that does it. It's called a QV scan. They don't manually go there with a ruler and check the length with the height. They just stick it on this machine and it takes the measurements. And for the past two years, I had a product that was just under the limit. And suddenly I was getting notifications, your product is now oversized, which was one size up. And I was charging, I was being charged $4 more per product, which is massive. So I, it took me a while to figure it out. And what happened was that this product was in a poly bag, which is a big no-no. A lot of people say you have to have proper packaging, but this product is just in a poly, poly bag. And what was happening is that um, it, when there was a bit of air in it, the machine was taking the bag as the, as the size, not just the product. And up for two years, that had never happened. But suddenly, for whatever reason, it was doing that. And there was nothing I could do about it. I, for the products that were in there, uh, I just had to pay the extra four, four or $5 FBA fee. But straight away, I went to my factory and said, hey, listen, we've got to tape the bags, make sure they fit really tightly on the product. And uh, 
I, I did one more check just before shipment and I had, I think 2000 pieces of this. I thought I really better be careful when in and luckily I did go in because they taped the edges, but they didn't tape the corners. So the corners were sticking out and I would have had to pay an extra four or $5 on those 2000 units. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that I went to check again. Yeah, when we were in India last week for India sourcing trip, a lot of uh, the sellers that were talking about cling wrap in this, yeah, so they're using cling wrap for, for things like, yeah, as small as possible. And also for things like uh, disposable cutlery and plates and bowls made from natural materials. So, you know, moisture is, uh, they need to keep the moisture out from those products that so they use cling wrap. So I think that's something else that people can consider instead of using, you know, poly bags, you can just do cling wrap so it's tighter. Okay, what's the next one? So th this was a painful one. Um, did you hear about the pesticide issue this year? Yeah. Okay, so for people who don't know, I think thousands of products had their listings shut down because um, Amazon made a policy change where if you had a product that had pesticide in it, you had to apply to be approved. But there was something, it was done through, the through an algorithm and any certain keywords triggered this so for example i had a product that was sports related it had nothing to do with pesticide but the word antibacterial was a trigger word for some reason whatever and basically my my listing was shut down for almost a month and because seller central couldn't handle the volume so many listings got shut down i had a friend that told me he was in amazon the day that happened and um the support team was going crazy because they were like swearing and saying oh like what the F we're getting thousands and thousands of, and they couldn't just respond. So luckily someone, someone told me how to resolve. I had to change the listing via flat file and, and then finally got it up. So yeah, that was, that was a bit painful that one. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I think um, I, I know someone who was trying to sell cosmetic boxes or cosmetic storage cases and their listing was affected too, because they had the word cosmetics or something inside, even though it wasn't really, a cosmetics item but it was for storage so because but it had the keywords so i guess must must have triggered the algorithms okay what else so here's an unpleasant one that i had uh last year so i sell a, a children's product and uh one child had a skin allergy had a skin reaction let's say but i'm pretty sure it's because he had eaten something bad it was totally unrelated to my product but because the mother wrote the symptoms that the child had Again, an algorithm picked this up, and um, so they didn't. They they suspended my product, and they inspected it, and they said to get it back, you need to send in the um, certification, the testing certification, and certain things. And I had no idea you needed these things because I, I just didn't know. Like all the other products, I, I researched it. I thought this is good, and so I started selling it. So then I found that out, and I had to quickly research all the things you needed. So I did the testing, that was okay. I sent it back to Amazon. I sent the, the certificate and they said, um, you need to have a label in there showing your address, phone number, email, a lot of details, which I didn't have. <clears throat> so all the products that were in Amazon didn't have this label. So they said, you can take it out, relabel it and send it back in, but it would have cost me more to do that than just dispose of them. So luckily, luckily there was only a thousand. No, normally I keep up to 2000 of this product. So I was really lucky that I was able to dispose a, a small amount and redo the labels and everything. And, and that was fine. But yeah, that was pretty painful. Yeah, I can imagine. So if it was a kid's product, I mean, 
are there any you know requirements like testing requirements or certification requirements for that product that you were not aware of before or yeah i i i was completely unaware zero knowledge about that so i only found out because they suspended me and they told me what i needed to do so now i know but um i think there's just a lot of these little things when people start up they don't even think of it like in hindsight it seems obvious but at the time you're looking at so many things you're looking at your shipment plan you you're thinking about your cash flow. These sort of things don't come into your mind. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, that happened to me. I'm, I'm sure it's happened to other people as well. Yeah, and um, I actually did a podcast with uh, Rahul from Kima um, last week. And this is what he was also talking about, that, uh, you know, people just take these things for granted. But especially if it's a baby product or something that touches the skin, it's just better to be safe than sorry. So, yeah, I mean, everyone listening, if you do have such a product, you can reach out to Rahul, uh, go listen to the previous podcast and, you know, his contact details are there and they will actually give you all of the testing, uh, you know, or certifications that are required. They will tell you free of charge. They won't charge for that. So at least you, you know what, what is required by law and uh, what is, you know, nice to have. Funny you should mention them because uh, for that exact product, um, I am going to have it re retested because I think uh, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think it's valid for a year. And just before Q4 Christmas, I do not want to have any problems. So um, I'm, I work with actually the same company, um, but Raul's colleague, um, Chloe, who's, who's sitting over there. So yep. Just getting, getting all my documents into place again. Don't want to have any, ah, yes. When they happened to me, it was in February. So I was, I was super, super lucky that it happened. So it was a learning experience at a good time. I was, I was really lucky. Awesome. Great. What else do you have for us, Peter? So I think this is probably the last one. Um, not, not interesting topics, but I think useful for people who are starting out and sort of on their journey. Um, this is related to logistics and shipping. So I've tried everything. Um, when I first started, I did, it, I think, the traditional way, which most people do. If they're working in China or India or wherever, they get their product, they send it to America. When it gets to America, it goes to the forwarder's warehouse. And from the warehouse, it's then sent by courier by TNT. It's called SPD in Seller Central to the various Amazon warehouses. So I started with that. And then, um, then I tried a 3PL. I did LTL shipments as well. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. That's when you get um, your products put on a pallet and you send them by truck. So it's a bit cheaper, but it takes a bit longer. So I tried that. All, all of those things took a lot of time. I had to like check how, how much inventory I had in Amazon, how much inventory I had in the, um, in the Forders warehouse or the 3PLs warehouse and, and manage that. When you have quite a few products, it's, it's a lot of work. So finally now what, I, what I'm doing, there's Chinese Forders that will um, take your product from the factory, send it all the way to Amazon's warehouse. So you can share a container with someone or if you're doing enough volume, um, do your own containers and it's way cheaper and way faster. So that, that's a huge thing for me. Like it's really affected my bottom line. Yeah. I think logistics and all from China are still easy to manage. And we were, when we were in India last week, it was, um, yeah, it's really difficult to get, you know, to manage logistics, especially for Amazon FBA and a lot of the freight forwarders in India, they're not aware of the requirements and everything. So yeah. Are you looking at other markets as well, Peter, or are you only focused on sourcing from China? Um, for sourcing? Yeah. No. Um, as I don't know if you mentioned in the intro, that I, I live in China. I live in Shanghai. So for me, it's a huge advantage for the factories here. Um, I know if I didn't live in China, I probably 
no, I sure, for sure would be looking in, in other countries at the moment. But seeing as I already have a list of products, new products that I want to do, I need, I'm going to work through those and um, yeah, just keep my advantage because I can go to any of these factories the next day or even same day whenever there's an issue. So at the moment, I'm just focusing on China supplies. So what else? Do you have any other tips or advice? That, that's probably about it. Um, there have been little problems, but these are some of them more interest, not interesting, maybe more significant ones. And um, when I, I told you before, when I was starting out, um, if there was any podcast about mistakes sellers had made, I would just gobble that up or on, on YouTube because I was really trying to learn and, and find where the pitfalls were. So yeah, I hope it's been useful for the listeners. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's definitely very useful. So what advice do you have for someone who's just starting out? I mean, uh, you know, of course, avoid these mistakes for sure. But any advice for people who are, you know, who haven't uh, started selling online and they're, you know, maybe just validating their product? Yes, that's, I think that's the hardest stage for everybody. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people get stuck, especially if they don't, if they don't have any friends or have any contacts at all. If you're working in a vacuum, it's just so hard to, to, um, to know when, when the product is right or not. And it is really difficult. So um, I guess the, if you have friends that do it, then talk to them a lot. If they've got experience, that, that will really help you. If you don't, then um, listen to podcasts like this. I learned a lot from podcasts, from uh, YouTube channels, uh, YouTube videos based on Amazon. Um, coming to events like yours, that's also super useful. If you can afford, um, there's probably some close to your home, wherever you are, if you're in the States, you'll always meet people there who, who are more experienced than you. And you can, most of them are quite friendly and they'll give you tips. So um, yeah, just learn as much as you can. Uh, there's a lot of bad information out there as well. So that's, that's kind of hard. I, I don't really know how to recommend getting through that. But um, ideally is if you have friends that can put you on the right track, mentors that do that sort of thing. Did you take a course? Yes. Um, my friend that introduced me to Amazon, he did the ASM course. So, so I did that. Um, I have recommended people, new, new sellers have come up to me and asked me which, which courses I would recommend. Um, so Ro, Rowena, who's also here, she always also asked me that. Um, I think a lot of the courses out there are fairly good, but the important factor, fairly good and fairly similar. I think a really important factor is if they give you support afterwards, because for some courses, that's part of the package. They will let you watch all the videos and then give you, for example, unlimited email questions. So I know um, Econ Crew has that with Mike Jackness and Dave Bryant. And also Lee Ryan and Andy, I think they also have a course. So that support factor is really important, especially if you don't know anyone that's doing it, because there's just so many little things that if you get stuck on it, it's, it's really frustrating. Just something like setting up a shipping plan. That took me two hours, probably the first time I did it. But luckily I could ask my friend each step, what does this mean? What do I do? And it's just really good if you can have support in some way. Yeah, um, I really, really highly recommend Mike Jackness and Dave Bryant's course, Ecom Crew. Um, they also have a Facebook group that they've, you know, formed with members and they're actively answering questions and they do regular webinars and all. So that's, yeah, really good. 
and then um, I think some people also they they prefer to work with consultants, right? So instead of taking spending money on a course, you just work with a consultant that can give you more one-on-one -on -one guidance. Like Chris Thomas in Australia from the Australian Seller Podcast, I think he's really good with that. So I think that that helps too, right? Yeah. Yeah. If if you've got the budget, um, and if you're planning to do this fairly seriously, then you should. That, that is the best having a coach like, and as you mentioned, Chris Thomas is one. Um, yeah, def, definitely invest in a coach because it, it's the saddest thing I've seen. A lot of people, they bought courses that weren't proper courses. They've wasted a lot of money, had no support and they're worse off than, than, than when they started. So yeah, go for a coach. If you can't afford that, then um, just watch as many videos and podcasts and try to figure out what's the right thing for you. Okay, Peter, thank you so much. That was really good. I'm sure, um, you know, listeners will, will benefit and hopefully avoid these mistakes. So, yeah, absolutely. So how can people reach you, you know, if they want, if they have any questions? Um, the best way to contact me is by email. Um, the email address is Peter, P-E-T-E-R, underscore Chung, C-H-I-N-G, 1000 at hotmail.com. And uh, as I said, I'm based in Shanghai, so I'm happy to meet up with anyone if they're they're in the area. So yeah, drop me a line. Okay. Thank you so much, Peter. I'll see you around. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having me on Megla.